0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in Katrina. Like the name, you know, Katrina?
1: Not like the hurricane?
0: Not like the hurricane. Although that is a name of a hurricane. Right. I was unprepared.
1: you You weren't specifically referencing. The hurricane
0: i would never um because yeah, i know i'm
1: like why do i feel like that's something people would be wasn't there a ton like, of drama about that about?
0: i was too young yeah i was too young i don't know
1: like if if people were people were like did you hear that she brought up hurricane <laughs> katrina i mean i'm just gonna point out the obvious that we <laughs> could have put the her in hurricane If we were going to bring up Hurricane Katrina, which obviously would
0: have been more sensible, which might be a reason why we didn't do it.
1: But right. But I think that proves, obviously, that we're not talking about the devastating Hurricane Katrina. No, we don't. That's uh, another. We'll add that to our list of topics we don't discuss on Geologians. Hurricane Katrina.
0: You know, what's funny is I know that we have two. And I can only remember one of them we We made a blood oath when we started that there were two topics
1: <laughs> we were never, i remember a we were a never shocking, gonna talk about um lo- shockingly little amount of blood spared for that blood oath as far as I remember like
0: like none but um uh we had two topics we were not going to discuss, and i I remember us agreeing. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Hmm. And I can only remember one of them. Can you remember any of them?
1: Is the one you're remembering Hurricane Katrina? <laughs>
0: yes. No, that's the third one. That's the third one.
1: Um, I would, so, yes, I would say... You can tell me later. I don't tell me later. I don't explicitly remember this being a part of the blood oath, which I also don't, I don't remember. There's a lot about this blood oath I don't remember, like
0: all of it, <laughs> because it never happened.
1: Okay, got it. Um, but I do think I, I think I could, I think I could uh, take a stab at.
0: Okay, yeah. Just message me. that topic. Just message be. me because if but we you don't talk, talk about, about it, it, so no, then yeah, you're breaking mm-hmm. the oath right so don't talk about it
1: sorry to those of you that are curious (laughs) too bad as we conduct business (laughs) on the show
0: (laughs) it's too bad it's just too bad for you um where did that her come from there's a book i didn't plan one and there's a book in front of me and the author's first name is katriana oh which was the first word that i saw so I just made it work. So go ahead and add that to your master list. Whoever wants the next free t-shirt in seven years when we <laughs> ask for a list. Um, yes. And let's see, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. We We have not discussed at all, which is super remiss,
1: Ocean Gate. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Which, Which, again, it seems like something we'd talk about, because one thing we absolutely talk about on this show is the Titanic. Right. And and all of the conspiracies
0: therein. Yeah. And also our dream of one day podcasting from the bottom of the ocean. So little did you know that we've been saving up to go on an ocean gate journey to podcast from live from the Titanic and this is setting us back years decades possibly yeah yeah we
1: thought that we thought that in seven years the the person who compiled the master list would be able to go with us to the bottom of the ocean we were gonna offer you're you're just gonna have to get a shirt instead (laughs)
0: instead of
1: being vaporized (laughs) at the bottom of the ocean yeah Um, i think i've heard that people have a lot of opinions on this and i think my big thing is just like how sad it's so i mean i just i guess that's all i really think about it is just like that people died lost their lives and and it kind of i don't know maybe i guess I don't know. I just, from what I've heard that maybe it could have been a little foreseeable that it was not super safe to go.
0: Um, I think yeah. all of the, I, I surprisingly have very little vested interest in any of the conspiracy theories, which I know for me is pretty weird, but um, yeah, I'm just sad for those people. I, and here's what I will say. This is the, this was what came up for me. There seems to be two sides the people you either land on either. You think that the men on board that spent all this money to go to this place were just like fools and needlessly risking their lives. And why would you do that? Why would you go? Why would you, you know, that's so silly. And then you have the other side that's like, no, we need people who are willing to go to places that very few other people have been and take risks and push the boundaries of technology. And um, it just made me think about what what do we feel about people who take these kinds of risks? What do we think about the first person who was launched into space, right? Um, was he a fool? The men who tried to go to Antarctica are they fools or and 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 do we value that kind of adventuresome spirit you know I think someone said something like literally none of us almost none of us are ever going to visit a place where millions of people haven't been before and there's value in these people that are willing to push the boundaries for the sake of exploration and science and I don't know. It's just something that's been on my mind ever since. I've just like, I've also had the thought of like, is it foolish to climb Mount Everest? Like, are you needlessly risking your life? Your climb? Is it, is it hubris? Is it pride? Um, but I've never had a bad thought about people that go up into space or that dive down deep in the ocean. Yeah. I've I've never thought that they're just so stupid and reckless, but then at a certain yeah. point it's like, I'm not, you're not going to catch me skydiving. I have five kids. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think it's really important to have, um, well, I think any of us who have the privilege of sitting here today with the infrastructure that surrounds us, I don't think any of us can be like, no one should be taking any risks at all. Because that's just like... It's a little out of touch. <laughs> just yeah. going to go ahead and say. Also, we have to be careful about um, just like selective heroism. Because um, I-, I can't tell you the last time I heard someone dogging on Mary Curie for exposing <laughs> herself to radium and getting and dying of radiation. Because, okay, let's face it. Why don't we hear about that today? It's because she was a woman and everyone, like, loves women now, which is fine. That's great. It's okay. <laughs> she did. She really did risk her life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it... Her, and has saved many lives risk, as a result. Right. Yes. And um, she didn't die instantly, but she did die because of the exposure... Um, Yeah. And yeah, I think that I think that uh, there's a lot of people that are mad at the the adventurous nature uh, of the event we're talking about just because they're billionaires. Like I've heard I've heard that like, do you know how much food you could buy for people instead of and I'm like, okay, you don't have you done an audit of the money they've (laughs) given away because I feel like most billionaires are incredibly generous people. They actually could probably give away more money than you'll ever make and it would not even affect their life. But we just so want to like we so want to spend other people's money. <laughs> it's just like stop. Stop just mind stop. your own business. Stop. Um
0: do you know how much money it costs Christopher Columbus to come sail to the new world? Like, right, and right. And now you're here. So shut up. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Well, which some people have opinions about that. It's like...
0: Junk opinions. But... um, Yeah,
1: right. A lot of people would like to revise all of history to exclude anything that yeah. actually happened that they enjoy the benefits of. But, yeah, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I guess I've heard some silly things. I don't know that I've heard too many conspiracy-type things. Oh, I've heard so
0: many conspiracies. I've heard
1: some things, like, they didn't actually... Like, they didn't actually die. Yes, this is, like, like, a convenient way for them to
0: disappear, is what I've heard. Um, Things like that. And then um, just stuff with, like, how bad the technology was. Like, this can't be real. (laughs) Um, just all kinds of things like that. But, uh, I think where I landed on the, I think where I landed was that for every person you have to be discerning and wise. I think for one person, it could be sinful to go climb Mount Everest and for another person, it wouldn't be. And it really just is what what God has for you. Like it could be really disobedient for you to go do something like that. Um, but I don't get to say, and everybody is required to be obedient to where God has them. So like I said, for me personally, like you're not going to catch me. Like I have a nine month old, like I'm not going to go climb a Mount, uh, Mount Everest. Like I'm not going to go skydiving. Like, these are things that I just feel like would be really foolish in the event of a catastrophe. Like, Oh, here's five kids. You know, they didn't grow up with a mom because she like really needed a thrill. (laughs) Like just isn't obedient, but like I can see maybe there will be a point one day where that could be an option for me. I mean, you're never going to catch me skydiving,
1: but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think um, suicide is a sin um, amen it's murder <laughs> so, uh, yeah i think um you know anyone who's committing suicide uh ha- basically has a desire to die or is being reckless to the point where they are signing their own uh death certificate is probably not worth it no um But that being said, there's been plenty of, uh, I mean, there's plenty of people every day who willingly choose to enter house fires, enter dangerous situations. And they, there's a, I would assume, and they have families, they have, there's a calculated risk involved. And then, of course, um, we know that God gives men the job of protecting Mm-hmm. their uh families uh so we know that it's not a sin to die doing something adventurous or heroic but yeah i think it just has to do person you know your what standard by what standard did you
0: <laughs> who was the glory
1: who is getting the glory yeah you know all that but yeah. i mainly just think like i thought it i I was a little surprised that this garnered so much so many opinions Mm. it was just definitely one of those like viral events where it's like you don't actually care about this like you're just you just want to give your opinion on the thing that everybody else is giving their opinion on this is
0: the moment where you wish you could charge people like at least a quarter for every opinion they give
1: right yes So they'll be more choosy
0: about yeah. what they say mm-hmm.
1: and all proceeds go towards improving technology of <laughs> underwater submersibles
0: yes <laughs> and um, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 um, if you would like to hear our podcast from the bottom of the ocean please support us at patreon.com we'll use all of that money for submersible <laughs> That was a joke um <laughs> let's see what else i need to tell him i use Rodden Staff for my homeschool curriculum um we have to start writing our cookbook just so you know <laughs> yes
1: yes okay. i definitely have some ideas we'll have to have a uh we'll have to have like a real meeting where we actually discuss it for real as opposed to yep mm-hmm. just being like we should do that
0: oh i mean it's too late because the amount of emails messages comments on this topic has just been overwhelming so yes that's what's gonna happen oh my goodness oh
1: what tweet what tweet did you me getting yeah for some reason i just decided that right now would be a good idea to
0: Oh don't click yeah don't look a little it, push don't look notification.
1: It, don't like it man. But Twitter. I can't see the original tweet. I can't see the original tweet.
0: Oh cause... maybe I got blocked or something.
1: Oh no wait. Yeah, the account owner limits who can view their tweets.
0: Oh yeah. But I, for I can sure, just tell I can I just sure tell got from blocked. your
1: Yeah. I can tell from your responses that
0: yeah. the responses of people I retweeted that... <laughs> a, a re- I retweeted a, a tranny, so Things happen oh, when you, yep, that happens. Um, sorry, well, I don't I know also, why so
1: many people feel the need to defend that hero. That hero, yeah, so many people feel the need to come to the aid of these heroic people that will crumble if you don't I don't uh, have to. I just got an interesting, surgery.
0: I also got distracted because a really an email came through right the second, titled death positivity which really made me want to we should talk about death again apparently um
1: yeah i mean i guess we just did a little bit but we can do more <laughs> But better but better is what i want to say
0: yes yes <laughs> okay so on the topic of food um a theology of food yes <laughs> theology of food i i love this topic because every single person has to contend with it multiple times a day um Mm -hmm. which to me and that's built into our very biology and so for me what that says if we're going to learn from the book of nature is that this is actually really important and god wants something from us on this topic like he wants something from us Mm -hmm. like the fact that your brain produces a hormone that makes you feel hungry tells me that God wants us to do something with this. Um, And that I remember, I remember when Ransom had to go, um, I had to take him in to get his ties revised back in like October or something. And he was screaming I mean, losing his mind when we got there and the lady was like, oh, is he normally like this? And I was like, no, this is this is the first time he's ever been hungry. (laughs) Like he's never had to wait ever in his whole life. Yeah. And so what you're seeing right now is the first time a person has experienced their body going, you're hungry and he does not like it. We don't like it. <laughs> Did not. He was like, "This is the worst thing that's ever happened." Yeah, um, because he was so little at that point. He literally had never waited. You know what I mean? Like, he never waited for food. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. Um, I don't remember that moment with my other kids, but it was like really, just intense, and um. So anyway, that's my first thought about it was just the <laughs> the the fact that that we all we are clearly meant to contend with this and that God meant it and that and that then not only did he give us this hunger and built our bodies in such a way that they cannot survive if they don't meet that need, then he put us in a world ...of abundant food. hmm And now... ...the fall. So here we are.
1: <laughs> so here we are. Yep. That's the part that most people... ...want to talk about... <laughs> ...when it comes to food. The fall part.
0: <laughs> the part where everything kind of sucks. Like, where, yeah. where all of it is tainted. Where, like, you can sin with food in 8 billion ways, yeah, 8 billion times a day, and, but you can also bless with food in mm-hmm. 8 billion ways and 8 billion times yeah. a day. Um, yeah. And you constantly are, and, and you know, what also gets me is that as women, I think we have to think about this issue in a certain way because we're the ones constantly preparing it. We tend mm-hmm. to be. And isn't it funny that the dishes, food cleanup, is such a Mm hang-up? Isn't it funny? Anyway, I don't know where you want to take this. I have a million different ways we can go. But it's been a while since we've talked to theology of food. Yeah. I just thought it was time.
1: Yeah, I Yeah, there really is so many ways to go. I do always feel whenever we like even approach this topic i always feel the need to recommend um, broken bread by tilly dillahay she i mean that's like one of the most absolutely yeah i think especially for women like so she so basically her whole argument in the book the whole case that she makes is the four food poles and those represent, like, the four main food sins. And they're kind of like a little, like, like diamond, like two of them sit or squ- however you're going to imagine it, diamond, square, but the two, like, so the two poles sit sort of in opposition to one another. The other two poles sit in opposition to one another. And then in the middle is just like a sin web, I guess. <laughs> Um, but oh, no. <laughs> I guess, so I always want to mention that like her, her food poles are asceticism, gluttony, and those two like are opposite on two opposite ends, and then um, snobbery and apathy. Um, and I think that what I mean, I like I said, I just, if the theology of food interests you at all. And you haven't read Broken Bread. Yeah, read it. You gotta. You gotta do it. Very helpful. Um, But I think that it, you know, it helps because because of that's what I, that's what I think of. You'll probably hear me use those words, like, as we talk, like, define and talk through those things. So, you know, asceticism, of course, would be, um, you know, I guess basically the idea that, like, food is satisfying. So it must be bad. Mm. Um, so we need to avoid satisfaction. Gluttony, of course, is the unquenchable satisfaction. So never being satisfied. Um, and then snobbery would be like, you know, uh obsession with abstaining from or only partaking of certain types of food, like over obsession with food. Uh, And then apathy, of course, is zero obsession, zero intention, whatever goes in my mouth, whatever I need to continue moving um, that. So I don't know. I mean, again, that's not our original work, but that's always since reading that book. That's sort of the framework that I view the theology of food through. So you'll probably hear me using those words. So I don't know, maybe that's a good place to start, but.
0: Well, I think everything falls in, you tend to err, you're going to err in one of these categories, or maybe all of them. Um, the goal would be to err in none of them, <laughs> <Right>. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that made me think of this is the the joke around um, eating at a Baptist potluck, Right. <laughs> You go to a Baptist potluck. And what's so funny is you have the thing about food is that everyone has opinions on it, strong opinions. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, I think you're meant to. I think you're obviously meant to feel strongly about food. And even if you fall into that category of apathy, that is a strong stance on food. Choosing to be apathetic about something you have to do multiple times a day and affects yeah. your quality of life is a strong choice. Like yeah. even, even that is a strong choice. Um, but when you get the people talking about the Baptist potluck, right. And what it's like, you have people, I think that fall into these different categories. You have the snobs who are upset because there's nothing quote unquote healthy there. And that got me thinking about um, just our lack of our lack of thankfulness for food. Sometimes like we live in a time so blessed and overflowing that we can literally make extremely curated food choices in a way that most of human history has never been able to do.
1: And, and with so, minimal effort.
0: Oh, yeah. Minimal. Just tell your Instacart shopper you don't want that item. Like, what? Yeah. Like, are you, yeah. a, are you a prince? What? <laughs> How is that your life? Like,
1: so, like, cinnamon is the powdered version of tree bark that grows in a tropical area. Uh-huh. And we're just like, yeah, just, like, pick me up a a jar of that. Just, like, pick it up for me. <laughs> Just Get it, just and it's like, what do you mean? Like, there would have been a time where you would have had to travel across the world, yes. scrape the tree, yeah, travel back, <laughs> process, dry it out, all this stuff. And Make we're sure just you didn't like, die along just... the way <laughs> in your travels right. from
0: dehydration or starvation. But,
1: well, also, thank goodness somebody took that heroic act. No to kidding. Find cinnamon. I mean, come on. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. Um but
0: you know, so you have the different responses to the the potluck of just like I can't enjoy this because the foods that I feel convicted to eat won't be there. So there's this there's that snobbery of like I'm not going to eat a cheeseburger. Like I'm not going to do that. That's not healthy. Right. Or like, I'm not going to have a carb or I'm not going to have wheat or I'm not. And then that kind of attitude of like, if my dietary preferences aren't met, then I can't fellowship. And those are just not, <laughs> those are not qualifiers that God put on fellowship. Right. And um, I think this is when, you know. Obviously, I'm not saying if you've been diagnosed with uh, some sort of disease that you should go ahead and um, land yourself in the hospital. And uh, I'm certainly not saying something as uh, galaxy brained as, you know, if eating peanuts will kill you, then, you know, eat peanuts. That's obviously not at all what I'm discussing. (laughs) Um, But one thing I think to consider is that there's a lot of um, feeling righteous over nailing or eating a certain way that I think people want to have. They want to say, you know, mm-hmm. I eat clean, and there's a a righteousness that's one in that. Um, this is how I stand righteously is I eat this way. Um, and Jesus actually directly talked about that in Matthew seven. The Pharisees were saying that they were saying, you know, look at you guys like they, they don't, the Pharisees, you know, they don't eat unless they do the ceremonial washing and all of this. And Jesus totally (laughs) smacked them down for that. I mean, he did not have nice words for them. Uh, And he said, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions that's those are harsh those are harsh words. Um and then later he says to the sorry I have
1: to I have to get in. I was imagining like a real scrolly uh like modern farmhouse like picture of that hanging in someone's kitchen.
0: Can we make one of those? You have a
1: fine way. Fine way.
0: Of really being horrible. (laughs) You have a fine way of being a horrible person and being disobedient. Look at you. (laughs) But then he says later to the disciples, because they didn't even catch what was going on with the food. And he says, this one really hit me. He said, are you so dull? Don't you see? that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Jesus went on what comes out of a person is what defiles them. So he goes on to talk about like what comes out of your heart, your evil thoughts that defiles you, but there's no food that you can eat that will defile you. Um, and he declared all foods
1: clean. Just so, just to be clear, he gives that distinction. He's, he's not referring to, there are no foods of this time that will not make you, because I, I can already hear it. Well, but like, we didn't have, they didn't have half the stuff and blah, blah, blah. And all the dyes and the everything. But the point, the the second point that he makes, uh, he says, this will not defile you. And then the point is about what will defile you. So yes. it's not actually about the current food that exists at the time.
0: Right. He and, makes you know, a very
1: clear distinction about what yes. will and will not defile.
0: Yes. And uh, it's important to remember that. The fall happened before Jesus came, which means that the food that they were eating back then was also affected by the fall. I know there's a lot of corners of Christianity that are really weird about this, and they want to believe that for whatever reason, although Jesus lived in the very wicked, very wicked Roman Empire, um, all of the food they had glowing skin not no one had any health issues i know there were demons running around but the food was <laughs> untouched
1: by summer the olive, oil. the olive oil the olive oil it was better
0: <laughs> okay so all foods are clean so so this is the part where i guess we all eat out of the trash can no <laughs> that's not the point either Um, again, talking about those food polls, it's like, I think when some people hear, okay, so all foods are clean. I'm not arguing that what that means is you're free to dumpster dive and what you eat doesn't matter and it doesn't affect you. That's also not the point. I think that as Christians, we live with these two things that are very true, which is that all foods are clean and you should pursue excellence so far as it is up to you. I think those are two true things. Um, I can kind of feel for the people that look at potlucks and go, why why do we only serve garbage food? Well, I, and I don't think that we do, but right. back to the topic of the Baptist potluck, um, I think you need to be able to Thankfully eat a hot dog and you also need to be willing to give and serve your best. And both of these should be true of you. This should be a tension that a mature Christian can handle. And it should be a tension. It shouldn't even be a tension. We should live such a life of open handedness, I think, of being willing to receive what's put in front of us to the glory of God. We should not be so fragile that we cannot fellowship unless certain foods are being served to us. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, I like that you used tensions actually, since we keep like bringing up the four poles. Cause it was almost like if there was like a, if there was like a string between the two poles, so you have the opposite ends of these these, these mm-hmm. two extremes that face one another mm-hmm. and somewhere in the middle is mm-hmm. a balanced mature, then mm-hmm. if the tension, the tension between the two poles is good, you should be able to comfortably stand there and yeah. determine, you should be able to look at your food. You should be able to look at your budget, you should be able to look at your health, you should be able to look at, at, at these four poles and say, I know how to look at this issue. I know how I know how I should feel about eating that food. I know how I should feel about eating that much of that food. Um, I know how what kind of food I should serve. I know how I should serve people. I know who should do the dishes afterward (laughs) you know um and so yeah i think that's the idea is that you have these sort of four ditches Mm -hmm. and it's like if you're standing in the middle then that means you haven't jumped over and landed in the other ditch which we just have such uh um we just do that (laughs) we like when we when we get out of one extreme we like overcorrect and just clear Clear the, the the road and just go into the other one. some of it's just so maturity. much maturity.
0: Some yeah. of it's just maturity. Like some of it just takes time, and yeah. and and uh, social media is often such not a help on this topic. You know, right. um, I don't know if you've seen, but there's this a study came out recently proving. Oh, finally, you guys, we have the study that proves that aspartame which is in diet sodas is a carcinogen okay well but like here's the thing is most people are just going to read that headline right I don't drink diet soda but here's my example because it's what's going on right now um if you actually read the study what you discover is that in order for it to be a carcinogen you would have to consume four grams of it per kilogram of your body weight, which means which means that aspartame is dangerous. So if you were a 200-pound man and you drank 1,800 cans of diet soda a day, that was 1,800 cans of diet soda a day, It would be a carcinogen. So here's here's what I'm saying is that you get online and you're flooded with that kind of information. Yeah. And you're like, well, now I can never touch a diet soda again because all you read was aspartame is a carcinogen. You're not aware that it's a carcinogen when taken in in a quantity that you literally will never be able to take in.
1: Um, and though I see some of you y'all out there addicted to diet Coke, and I'm pretty sure you're getting close.
0: You're trying Just calm
1: down with a diet Coke. You guys,
0: (laughs) you can only have 1,799 a day. Okay. And I need you to cap it right there and then send us your cans so we can build our submersible to go to the bottom of the ocean, please. And thank you. (laughs)
1: we are going to need a lot of aluminum a lot
0: because they're there you guys are drinking that much soda. <laughs> no, but my point is, is like growing up in the social media age there have been times where I've read something and I've just been like oh no like I can't have that anymore I can't do that mm-hmm. and over time I've come to realize yeah a, a lot of that You really do have to have the wisdom to just ignore. It's kind of like the time you told me that you can't worry about the air. Like you have so many other things to be concerned about that there comes a point where you're like, you know what? I can't, I can't worry about that. Yeah. That, that can't be something I prioritize.
1: Yeah. Well, and aspartame is such a good, it's such a good example of this because, of course, aspartame, which is now, a carcinogen, which I also don't partake in because well, so I've, I learned at some point that it can be a migraine trigger. So and that along with many different kinds of fake sugar, I also don't really like the taste of most things that have aspartame in it. So I don't but also but so it's a great example because um, because the reason aspartame was created is because sugar Drinking coke with full sugar is a horrible idea, because that's terribly unhealthy. And you sh- you can't even drink one coke. But also it's like, how many cokes do you need a day to where you can't have any sugar in them? Right. Like we needed to, we needed to take the sugar out and find a different sweet substitute because we couldn't just have one Coke every once in a while. We had to have 45 every day. Right. Right. (laughs) And so this is just like such a perfect, like if, you know, just even looking at the, the history of one food product that has morphed over time. It, you see these, you see these corrections, you see these, and I, like, I'm not against options. I'm not against, Uh. but, but what you, s- like, in and of itself, you're not, there's nothing, none of this really has anything to do with Diet Coke itself. Right. It has to do with the heart that consumes the Diet Coke, or rather what comes out of the mouth that, dr- yeah the coke goes in. (laughs) That's what, that's what the Bible says. (laughs) Um, and, and yeah, I think that, like, I even think that I'm going to just go ahead and predict that even as we record this episode and you're listening to it, you're, we're going to have people that are like wanting to jump to the next poll. Like, okay, so you gave, so you gave a thing about snobbery and an asceticism, but now I need you to get to, to apathy and gluttony, because those are bad too. And you're right, those are bad too. (laughs) But the point is, is that we just, it's like sometimes I think on this topic and there are other topics like this, we just have so much fun jumping around on the polls and Mm -hmm. like having that conversation because we can't, because the, the balanced mature view is not, gonna look the same for every single person of course the heart is the same for the person but how it actually plays out practically is not the same right um and so then we just and i think just well i think just in general a lot of us want to obsess a lot of us want to obsess we find well it's exactly what jesus was calling out which is that like this is what makes me righteous. What I put in my mouth is what makes me righteous. And so there's this obsession with um, creating a list of rules or, you know, things you can't do, things you should do. um, And that's what will make me good. Uh, But then, of course, it's hard. It's challenging and requires maturity because there's some real truth to what that like what you put in your mouth may not defile you, but it does affect
0: doesn't matter how
1: you feel yeah it's not that it's unimportant (laughs) yeah right
0: yeah it's not that it's unimportant I think that's where a lot of people that's where we get tripped up is we know that it's important we know especially as wives mothers moms we're making decisions constantly about what we and the people around us are going to eat and so there is a responsibility there and I think there is a responsibility to pursue excellence um so for example when i think about uh pursuing health um you know if you are eating if you are pursuing excellence in your food uh and let's say you're trying to um eat healthy foods you're trying to maybe lose weight um if you have if you come across a fellowship opportunity every now and then where you're going to have to eat a cheeseburger or a hot dog or a salad with croutons that isn't if you have been consistently pursuing excellence, that is not going to be a a deal killer. It's not going to throw you off the edge of your pursuit. And I think a lot of times we think uh, pursuing excellence means on this topic that I've never deviated. I've stuck to my tradition, things like that. And I know like I've talked a lot about how you how someone loses weight and what that looks like because for me for so long I just didn't know like you don't know what you don't know you don't know you don't know what you don't know and you know for example there's this viral TikTok going around of this really you know I don't know 400 pound woman she's like here's what I eat in a day and what was so interesting was I was able to look at it because I've been tracking my food and my calories for so long. I was able to watch the video and know in a nine hour period, she ate about 3000 calories, right? But I know that because I've done the work, I can kind of just look and see. And I checked my work. But what was so interesting was so many people thought, oh, she's not eating that much. She's not eating that much was the response of some people. And I'm going... No, you just don't know. You don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. But right. in 9 hours she ate about 3000 calories sitting at a desk. And she doesn't need 3000 calories a day. Most people don't <laughs> um need 3000 calories a day. Yeah. So it and that doesn't even account for the other hours that she's awake. So again, this is this is a topic, this is an area where you don't know what you don't know. And until you actually do the work to understand that, um, you need to just pursue excellence in the ways that you can. And I felt I wouldn't have known how much I was eating if I hadn't done that work because I've never really been, you know, people make fun of me like, oh, she buys organic. I don't really, but that's the joke was just like, I don't drink in my adult life. I haven't drank soda. I haven't done this. I haven't done that, but I never knew how to lose weight. And so as I started having babies, it became a problem because I didn't know what I needed to do. And it was really frustrating because I was breastfeeding and I was like, I don't know how to lose weight. And I thought, well, if I just eat healthy foods, if I just eat whole healthy foods, like eventually it's got to work. Right. But weight is not a matter of the kind of food and that I didn't know that. And so I was like bound to that. Um, and all of that to say, I think a lot of people feel really bound, um, by kind of the things that you brought up earlier. And by this, you brought up, you should know your budget. You should have a handle on these things. It's a lot to have a handle on, especially as a wife and a mom. And, uh, but it's worth pursuing. I think my point is, is that it's worth pursuing. It's worth not throwing your hands up and going, well, I don't know. So I'm not going to make any effort whatsoever. Um, it's not what goes into you that defiles you. So what does it really matter? Everyone's fed. That would be the apathy poll, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Of just like, but it, it. I think a lot of the apathy poll starts with just a lack of general knowledge um, of what is in food. Uh, what do you actually need? And then you get on social media and you're just bombarded with lies. I mean, just so many stupid, um, stupid lies uh, that can be really discouraging. And I guess what I want to say is you can actually be free of all of that. Like you can get a handle on it. Um, You can start practicing thankfulness for your food. You can believe what Jesus said when he said all fruits are clean. You don't have to have a terrible weekend because you had pizza. You don't have to hate on yourself because you had a quote unquote unhealthy food. You can go to that fellowship meeting and enjoy croutons in a salad. Like you can and you can lose weight if you pay attention to what you're eating if that's something that you want to do. I know not everybody needs to lose weight, but that's generally the email I get. So but <laughs> um yeah. There's, there's actual freedom. Like when Christ set us free, you can be free. You can also be free to bring something really healthy, delicious over the top to the Baptist potluck. You're free to do that too. Um, I think, I think what I hear in this conversation is just everyone feeling so bound by tradition bound by false beliefs bound by this feeling of this bad culture around food um you can drink a diet soda if you want i don't care or not i also don't care um what i care about is are you approaching food as if it's something that is meant to glorify god (laughs) because whatever whether you're eating or drinking you should be glorifying god um or are you feeling bound because if you are then you probably are guilty of one of those four holes i can't tell you which right. one yeah but probably one of them
1: yeah yeah um yeah i think uh or or multiple or all four and that's where <laughs> that's where this becomes a hard that's where this requires intention it requires some thinking and some maturity, some, you know, discernment, maybe even some help from people oh, who know you. Yeah. Um, because there are certain ways that we like, you know, we just not too long ago, you heard us do episodes about self-deception. Mm-hmm. Food is a huge area where we deceive ourselves. And if you are an apathetic eater or a glutton, um even bordering on just like hidden binging, you know? Sometimes in public, you make yourself look like an a snob and, you know, and because cuz you are uh you're deluding yourself. You're trying to trick yourself into being a certain way on the outside when you know you're not that way on the inside. Um, and so there's a lot of way and you know i think that that's this you know like you mentioned you had mentioned the dishes and so there is this whole um program that comes with the making of food which is the planning of it the buying of it the preparing Prepping. of it the cleaning up um and so all those things and and it's a, it's a lot of work it is a huge opportunity for you to serve the people in your family um and a lot of us experience apathy, because we spend so much time getting food together. Um, and really, we're worrying and fretting about food, which we don't need to do. But even those of us who aren't, we're spending so much time on food, that we will, we're falling into we're leaning towards this apathy pole because we're just like, well, like I should, we're believing the lie that we shouldn't even have to be that involved. It's like, why is food? Why am all I'm doing every single day cooking food? It's like, I've never stopped cooking. I've never stopped making snacks. And then I make the snack and then another kid's hungry. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an organized flow in your home where you, you know, like I've had, I've known women that put blue tape on the entrance, the entrances of the kitchen. And they're like, during when mom's making food, you don't cross the blue tape. Also, I've had, I've had friends that are like, I'm not a short order cook, I will serve you what I serve you. Um, and that's what you will eat. And if you would if you don't eat, then you're going to be hungry tonight. Doesn't that stink? And then I know some people that they know that if they're making a if they're putting salad on their kids plates, they know some kids don't like tomatoes, so they won't do that, you know, and it's just, it's all about what you can handle. But I think there's this weird self imposed shame to create these curated Mm -hmm. uh, certain amount of macros, certain amount of whatever um, on the plate for each per each individual person. So there's the self-imposed shame of that. And then you also have this like, um, well, I don't care. Just eat anything. There's no, there's no uh, limits on what you can have or when you can have it. And that kind of results in chaos because How do you, how do you grocery shop for that? How do you afford that? How do you, you know? Not me. And, and so there's a lot that goes into just, there's a lot that goes into eating. And honestly, um, if you're floundering a little bit, it might be that you need to sit down with your husband and determine what your household's food looks like. Yeah. Because it might be that you're, you're worried and concerned about money and your husband's like, well, I'd actually prefer you put an extra $200 in the food budget every month. If it means we're eating uh, lower carb and higher protein, Right. you know, like for whatever reason that looks like, or if it's making um, or, you
0: feel less stressed or because right. I, yeah, all kinds of reasons that might be a right. blessing. You just don't know.
1: Yeah. But I think we just, we sort of, I think you, um, I think you well, so it's gonna it's weird because it's like, (laughs) this is where we're like, you're touching two poles at the same time. Like, because it's a lot of pressure, you Mm. care a lot, you really do care a lot. And you spend a lot of your time thinking, but because there's never any intentional, real steps taken to achieve the goals that you have relating to food for your family or for you personally, you're just always kind of spinning. Mm. And then the response to that ultimately, because you can only maintain that for so long, right, is to fall into apathy. And then and then you're like, okay, then you do apathy for a few weeks. And then you're like, I feel like absolute garbage. Now I need to start spinning and fretting and doing all this stuff again. And, and there are some ways in this life here on this earth, that we will kind of always do that. Mm -hmm. We've heard to say that many times, things are not really ever set it and forget it. You don't ever just get to figure it out and then press play. And then just that runs forever and ever. That's just not really how it works. Um, and so apathy, apathy is a huge killer here. Um, I don't know if it's something that we think about enough. And I think that oftentimes we associate um, the sins of apathy regarding food to gluttony. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's why I so appreciate the four poles, because apathy is not gluttony. No, but if you're if you if you're overweight and it's because you were eating a lot, and you're like trying to treat gluttony, but you're actually full of apathy you're you're gonna have you're not gonna necessarily see you're not going treat the, the same results yes, yeah. but they they seem similar to one another because both never really feel satisfaction but right. for different reasons right And so I like i do, I don't know I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of intention I'm not saying you have to have a level 10 intention every day of food. But what I mean is that if you kind of sit down and get a plan together, like have this conversation, how do we feel about food? What is food? What are the why do we put food on our table? <laughs> and just kind of start there, yeah, um, I think that it can help a yeah. lot, yeah, um
0: and if your and- goal if the answer to that is to love your people, that is going to guide. A lot of your decisions and it could be it could be that you've had no joy around this topic whatsoever and so you can't even you can't even conceive of putting a meal together joyfully um, it could be you have so much fear around food that you can't put anything on the table joyfully But all of these things are things that you can totally be free from in Christ. And if you just believe what he said about food, which is that it's all clean and it all can be eaten for the glory of God. So now go and with whatever resources the Lord has given you, bless people with it. Bless your body, bless other people. And there are ditches, like you said, there's ditches you can fall in that it's like, do you need to bless people by giving them more sugar? Like, are you the mom whose kid cannot have a cookie? Because that's a problem. Um, are you the mom whose kid has only had cookies this week? Because that's a different kind of problem. Um, mm-hmm. And both are very real problems with that need to be addressed. That just have to be. They just have to be addressed. Um And you need to know, take the time and ask yourself, why have I never allowed my child to have a cookie? What is the thing there? What is the, what is the feeling there? What is the, the control that you feel there? Or you need to ask yourself, why, why are my children only eating Pop-Tarts? Um, what is the, the lack of joy you have there that's motivating you to not make a meal for your kids? Because that's a different kind mm-hmm. of thing. But all of this, and, and the thing is, is you have to contend with it because multiple times a day, you have to feed your kids and you have to feed yourself. And so you already know from nature, bringing this all back to where I started, that God actually cares what you do with food. He actually cares Um, and you have to be willing to submit all of your beliefs, desires, traditions, fears, self-righteousness to him and then go and bless people in that pursuit.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um. How long have we been recording? Because I, mean, I have probably, one other thing do. I want to talk about.
0: <laughs> do it. I can go until the baby starts crying.
1: I'm here. <laughs> this is... I'm only saying this because I have seen this happen many, many times. I think... And I think we've talked about it on the show lightly. Mm. But I'm not going... to Okay. I'm just going to talk about it. I'm not going to contextualize it too much. I want to talk about eating disorders. Okay. Not people who used to have an eating disorder because again, here we go. I'm just going to jump in right here okay. and say if you've heard summarized beliefs on addiction, mm. they're very much the same as eating disorders. Um, Not that there is no physiological thing going on inside your body when you deprive yourself of food or um, overindulge in food and then induce vomiting. And there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole spectrum of them now. (laughs) Yep. But we're just going to go ahead and say that it's not that there are not Christians that have have had eating disorders, but Christians don't have eating disorders. I'm not saying that there aren't people who are actively trying to be well, that don't have days where sin quote unquote wins. that's not what I'm saying.
0: So you're saying though, that an eating disorder is sinful.
1: It is a sin. And that's why Christians don't have them. Um, Again, there is when someone there is a very emotional component to an eating disorder that is not purely physical. Totally get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I think if you used to participate in disordered eating, there is no need for you to approach your theology of food as though you still have a problem. If you do still have those problems, that is fair. <laughs> Consider those problems as you develop your theology of food. <laughs> right. But there is no need to act as though you must eat a certain way to protect yourself from a previous sin that you did. Right. Um, and again, there is a very... Um, there's a very emotional, physiological uh uh interaction happening yeah. when someone has disordered eating. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it's it's real, it happens. Um, it swallows people up. Not sorry, maybe a poor choice of words. Um, and it destroys people's lives. It destroys lives, but it is um, but it is a sin. So I want to go ahead and say that we don't when we we don't also we so we don't avoid thinking about food and what the proper use of food is just because at one point we were we were overly snobby or you know asceticism um because we're not we don't need to fear so we can we can trust um, sanctification. We can trust God that as we grow, we can't just sin. Can't just happen to us. Um, we can't just like stumble into it. Um, again, not saying that there that you can't sin as a Christian, but I think we have this weird like once an anorexic, always an anorexic. Right. And we sort of impose this label onto ourselves that we then create our view of food with. And we're we're like, well, look, I used to have I used to be anorexic. So I want to make sure that I'm not getting I'm not falling. I'm not being too careful about what I eat. And it's like, well, that is that why? Is that why you should be careful about what you eat? Is that why you should care what goes into your mouth? Because you might just suddenly find yourself in the embrace of sin once again, because that's not really how sin works. Now, I do think because of self-deception, you can engage in sin and you can kind of feel like you just tripped into it. But the point is, is for the Christian, it does not happen overnight. And we don't, we shouldn't act like it does. Um, What you're
0: saying is such were some of you.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's yes. where some of it. And um, right. So I, th- I don't think there's any need to be worried about. Some people are like, well, I have to be apathetic about food because I the to, only thing I can yeah. worry, all I can worry about, I don't worry about macros. I don't worry about calories or anything. I just worry about satisfaction because I used to just, I used to just freak out about grams of fat and all that stuff now i'm not saying that that again uh, we said it multiple times this episode everyone's approach to food is not going to be the same but i think so you're that's saying do jump you, from
0: pole to pole like the answer yes. the answer for uh apathy is not asceticism that's all you're saying
1: Right there's yeah they're both they're two ends of the of a problematic (laughs) uh, place right yes and so, but yeah so I don't but this comes up a lot this comes up a lot because we have created I just noticed whenever we talk about food or just in general when you discuss food in a large group of people there Mm -hmm. seems to be this like separate category for people that had eating disorders and it's like well you always have to be very careful
0: mm-hmm. that you
1: don't just start binging and purging again right and it's like I well, I do think that it's
0: well I think what you're this is you brought this up kind of when you're saying well, the way we talk about addictions it's like we don't use the category of alcoholic. We don't believe that if you used to be a drunkard, that you should view yourself currently as a drunkard because the Bible of the teaching of the Bible is that such were some of you, but now you're supposed to go and be free. And so the question I would have for somebody who would say, well, I'm an alcoholic, but I haven't had a drink in 30 years. I would say, by what standard are you a drunkard that hasn't had a drop of alcohol in 30 years? But so many people want to identify their sin that way. And then I think what you're saying is if that, if that person who hadn't had any alcohol in 30 years was around a beer and all of a sudden he became a drunkard again, the question would be, was he ever really free from that sin? Right. Like right. if if you if you were a drunkard who is no longer a drunkard and you're like I can't even be in the same room as a glass of wine without tumbling into life altering alcoholism you're not actually free from that sin and I think you're saying likewise if you had a had an eating disorder and you're like well I can't x y and z with food because i am just going to go headlong back into absolute bondage you are not living or walking free of that sin that sin hasn't actually been dealt with yet and that's something to consider you need to consider if you are in a place where if you took any consideration at all about what you ate and that sent you headlong back into some horrible horrible, disordered eating, you're not actually free. So by what standard are you free? By what standard are you not sinning in that way and, and deal with that yeah. sin? So my question for you would be what if someone is a Christian and they actively are pursuing a disordered eating, like what would you say to them?
1: They need to be accountable for it. Um whenever you're sinning, you need to be accountable. I understand that doesn't always happen. But I think especially um in especially in sins with really big physical outward and inward but with consequences. Yeah, with you can really big consequences. Yeah, very dangerous. I think that you need to I mean and all sin is dangerous. Sin hurts. Um, but we, uh, it's like, we'd rather, we'd rather diagnose ourselves with something forever than be accountable. The point is, it's not about like hiding it. Like if you, if you've diagnosed yourself as forever having an eating disorder, it's not a shame over no one knowing it's that you, you have some comfort in it being a, um,
0: you want to keep it a,
1: a, a, yeah, some sort of biological thing happening inside of your body. And, um, and I would say that if you have no, if you have no issue with it being known publicly on the internet, or in your friend group, a better way would be for you to go to someone, your husband, your friends, your pastors, and get real accountability. Um, and that. And that, you know, that might look different for you, depending on who you, depending on where you're at. Like if you eat 500 calories a day, maybe that would involve someone making sure you're just actually physically eating. But it, it's even in that instance, this is a great example, because in that instance, if you were eating 500 calories a day and you started eating 1500, um, that wouldn't be getting rid of the sin.
0: Right. The sin. Right. That's a symptom of the sin. The The eating right. disorder is a symptom in, of the sin of I mean, it could be different for everybody. Right. Uh, fear of man, pride, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. But what you're saying is get help, get accountability. Don't keep it hidden. Like if you are actively engaging in a sin so dangerous, like, you need to speak up and get help and say something.
1: Yeah, and don't pathologize it. Be ready to confess your sin multiple times a day. Again, like, it really depends. But if you really are the worst of the worst example of someone who limits their food intake to the point of death, like, you need to be and you're actually a real Christian, you need to be confessing You need to confess every time, every time you're sitting with food and we should, you know, we like to point out this very extreme, gaunt, thin person, but this is the, this is the overeater. This is the glutton too. This is the apathetic person too, that eats for pleasure, that eats so they don't have to feel anything, that gets the one little spike of serotonin the moment they go through the the McDonald's drive through and they have it and the anticipation and the excitement and the sitting at home and being with your food and then eating it. And then it's gone. And you instantly just like tank again. Like this is, <laughs> does it sound like I understand? Does it sound like I understand that? <laughs> no. Does it sound like I understand that, 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 Uh, routine (laughs) every one of us has
0: had an (laughs) emotional support pint of ice cream
1: yeah and and so the point is is that um we all need accountability um and i would even i would even say that there's many really sinful uh food attitudes food Mm -hmm. sins there's damaging food sins that don't fall under the category of eating disorder, but are very physically unhealthy and they're sin. So spiritually yeah, unhealthy. Right. Right. <laughs> Spiritual aspartame, you guys. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but only if you have uh, 1,800 a day.
1: <laughs> but we need to just be, I think food isn't, it's like, because it's us eating it, we have this weird mentality that it's this like very personal thing. But I think a lot of us could do, it uh, could do a lot of good for a lot of us to just be confessing sin around food more when we have, I mean, just obviously confessing sin more, but just our thoughts about food, yeah, um, what went into making the meal. It's just, it, we should just be, and you know what, the, again, we were talking, about, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode about suffering being an occasion for faithfulness. And so mm-hmm. it's like, how about this? We eat, we all eat every day, multiple times a day. And that's an occasion for faithfulness. That's an opportunity. Yeah. treat every, mm-hmm. every time you eat, every time you put something in your mouth mm-hmm. as an opportunity for faithfulness. And if that promotes, if that produces Disordered eating behavior in you, you're not, th- your theology of food is off. Right. The thoughts you're having around food are off. Yep. If what I'm saying right now encourages you to start obsessing about your food, then you are taking a faithful activity and turning it into a sinful one.
0: Right. No, that's, that's the exact litmus test. If, if the, If it feels like a burden to you to be faithful with your food there's sin there that would be like saying hey um my friend told me i need to be more faithful with my finances and now i cannot stop having anxiety over it there's some sin there i can't tell you exactly what it is but it is a good little red flag of like okay Mm -hmm what's, what's going on here? Like if someone said you need to faithfully parent your children and that so freaked you out (laughs) that you couldn't get out of bed tomorrow and you decided you're just not going to parent your children anymore. That's a red flag. And this applies to food. And it's, we laugh because it's, it's obvious, but it's almost like we give ourselves a pass on the food topic and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't want to step on anybody's toes so we don't want to say something as strong as that but you should be willing to say something as strong as that if you're like if i have to think about food at all i'm gonna fall into neuroses there's a sin hiding underneath what you just said and you need to dig it up and like you said with any sin you dig it up, you bring it to the light, you kill it or have someone else help you kill it because otherwise it stays underground and grows roots and is really hard to dig up. Okay. We've said a lot. We've said so much. Okay. We've said
1: the, that was the perfect amount. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't ascetic. It wasn't apathetic. <laughs> it wasn't gluttonous. It, we hit the right... Okay, great. Feeling very confident <laughs> today, guys. <laughs> okay. Um, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Don't forget to support our dream of podcasting from the bottom of the ocean at patreon.com slash sheologians. There's a shop. You can go to shop, Um, And that's it. I don't have anything else, so... We'll see you guys next week. See ya.